the thousands in attendance and the millions around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Tonight, we're going to change things up a bit. Tonight's show is all about something you don't hear much about on KPFA Radio, professional wrestling. I'm your host, J.C. Howard, and tonight we'll hear about how professional wrestling is becoming more socially conscious and even, dare I say, artistic. On the show tonight, we've got Hood Slam announcer A.J. Kirsch, all pro wrestling promoters, uh, all pro wrestling promoter Marcus Mack, and rising star in the professional wrestling world, Thunder Rosa. All that, and of course, another edition of Storytime with J.C. tonight on this special edition of Full Circle. Stay tuned. Welcome, everyone, to Full Circle on KPFA. Tonight, we're going to delve into a world with which many of our listeners may not be very familiar, the world of professional wrestling. Now, I warn you, some insider lingo may be dropped or introduced from time to time. For instance, if you hear babyface, that means good guy, and heel means bad guy. To put something over is to try to make it look good. To cut a promo is to make a promotional speech about something and gimmick... Well, that word can mean just about anything. But before we get into it, I want to talk about why. Why am I talking about professional wrestling on a station like KPFA and on a show like Full Circle? KPFA is about nonviolence, while wrestling is all about aggression. Full Circle is all about cultural affairs, but wrestling is a sport that's stuck in the past. Well, at the basis of professional wrestling, there's this kind of familial camaraderie, a brotherhood, and an attitude of protecting your opponent, who is essentially your stage partner. And wrestling does indeed have a history and tradition that many involved take pride in, but the genre has taken steps into the present as an art form of today, but more on that art stuff later. Performers and promoters, that's the folks who sell tickets, they're a lot more socially conscious than they once were. Care is now given to the health issues around wrestlers. Attention is being turned toward labor issues, and the product overall is becoming more and more respectful toward women. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that wrestling is, quote-unquote, for everyone, but rather to say that it may have more to offer than previously thought. Tonight's show is about considering things we may have never considered, and it uses pro wrestling as a launch point. We'll start with how women are portrayed. On a local level, the way women are portrayed in pro wrestling has changed in the last decade. And on the national level, it's changed in the last year or so. We've moved from a time when women were treated as eye candy, accompanying men to the ring, into an era where women are respected as female performers in their own right. That's not to say that the idea of an all-woman promotion is foreign. In the 80s, we saw gorgeous ladies of wrestling and women of wrestling, but they were all about big hair and making female performers into kind of a sideshow attraction. 
But I think in some important ways, the genre has changed. To hear a little bit more about this, I want to turn to someone who is actually living the supposed change that I'm talking about. A female wrestler. But not just any female wrestler. Thunder Rosa has wrestled in Mexico, Japan, and in states all over this country. She has an ongoing stint here in the United States as Cobra Moon on Lucha Underground, a nationally televised wrestling show on the El Rey Network. You can catch it on your own TV screen. So I want to welcome Thunder Rosa to the show. Thunder Rosa, welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm very, very, very excited. This is my first time that I do a live radio show. Yes, and I'm, I'm really glad to, uh, to be here with you. I'm, I'm really glad you were able to make it. Um, so first of all, I just want to ask, what is it like for women in wrestling, just generally? Um, well, it is definitely a different sport. You know, you are in the locker room with uh, nothing but males. Um, it's definitely, definitely very uh, male-dominated business. Um, it's not like you mentioned. Uh, now, the sport in, in wrestling with women is is respected, but we still have some some equality issues, let's, let's say. Yeah, for sure. Um, what is expected of you? I mean, there's that whole phrase, you know, you hit like a girl. Is that expected? Like, do people expect less out of you as a performer? Like, the bookers and promoters, do they expect less out of you as a, as a female promoter? Uh, no, I think with um, what's been happening with, you know, what especially with Luchan around, um, women are fighting men, so we're expected to be just as tough as men. Yeah. I, I, I want to get to that a little bit later, too, but first I want to talk about respect. Um, that's a huge point in this business is, is respect and showing respect and giving respect and getting respect. What kind of respect uh, do you feel you, that you're shown or lack of respect do you feel that you're shown as a, as a female performer in wrestling? Um, well, you know, it, it, they say, I, one of the things that it kind of bothers me is when they say, oh, that was a good match for, for a female's match. Right. Uh, what do you mean by a female's match? We are just wrestlers as, as, you know, as the guys. You know, we work as hard as the guys or even harder. In my case, um, I had to work harder to show that, you know, I'm just as strong or even more than some of the guys because we go through a lot more, you know, f physically, uh, right. hormonally, emotionally sure, and everything. Sure, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you, you are just, you're performance on the same level that are female. You just happen to be female in a sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, so w tonight, I, I, I love this. This is, this is, your husband was actually supposed to be here with us. Yes. Um, but he is down in, what, what, where, what, where is he? He's right down now? in Vendetta in an all female show. Um, he uh, went with uh, a local celebrity, Shotzi Blackheart and um, Chelsea Green, who's like just got signed for TNA. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and tomorrow night, there's a uh, golden envy. Yes, that's a that's a, another all female show. Yes, this is uh, the I think it's, this is the first female show. We're not having a tournament. It's actually a female show, and where um, we are gonna um, have some of the best of California and outside of California. Yeah. So like right now, as soon as our music hit. Uh, down in, in, in Vendetta Pro, there's an all-female show going on as I'm here talking to a female wrestler. Yes, and there's uh, Shimmer, too, in Chicago. And I think there's other shows that are mainly for females. And that's I'm really proud of, you know, being part of the change that is happening in pro wrestling and where uh, more and more uh, opportunities for females are opening up, you know, because in every show, usually we only have one match, one female match, and everything else is, is males. Right. Yeah, I, I, you you talk about that things are changing. Do you think that some has something happened to make 
things change or like why do you think things are changing? I think um, we have stepped up to the plate. Um, a lot of us, especially in the indie circuit, um, have shown that uh, we can ju just be as good as uh, performers as the guys. So we have been demanding, I think, more attention. And like I said, having this inter intergender matches and having them so being so credible, um, I think that's the reason why they are like more willing to have women on the show instead of us being uh, the bathroom break. Yeah, right. We are like someone sometimes semi-main and uh, in many times main event. Uh, I'm really happy that I've been in shows like Girl Fight in the Midwest with uh, Matt Metpondo um, and it was all female shows for three days and he Whoa. goes on the road and it's nothing but females and these ladies are absolutely insane. They do some of the same spots that, you know, that guys will do and, um, I was able to be main event in some of those. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That, yeah. I mean, that is, that's, that's really great. I, I mean, and, and you talk about intergender matches. I want to get into that for just a second. Um, recently, and I love this, this, this whole setup was just beautiful to me. The story that was told with this, um, it was you, Thunder Rosa, and Holiday. Mm -hmm. your partner and you guys call yourselves what the twisted sisters the twisted sisters you guys are coming from the dark side <laughs> yes. i love this and you guys took on the classic connection and yes. this was at, at, at pcw right yes it's pro championship wrestling um what do you think about intergender men? so classic connection levi shapiro buddy royal um as 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 um introduced and as as uh managed by donovan troy um these are they're they're guys i mean and you you and and your your partner Holiday. It was an intergender match. What are your thoughts about intergender matches? Oh, I just I, I think they're fun. I think uh, we are able to showcase some of the things that we are not able to showcase when we work with women. Like I said, um, some women are trained just like men, but some of them we have you know some shortcomings. Um, but with men, you're able to do a lot more. Uh, the problem comes with a lot of people. They feel like um, women are being abused or we are like promoting domestic abuse right. or uh, male, female Yeah, what abuse. do you think about that? Do you think that there's uh, promotion of violence against women with intergender matchups? I don't think so. I mean, I turn with men and they treat me just like any other guys. Right. Like when we... You know, when they hit you, they don't be like, oh, I'm, uh, this hit Melissa, you know, Thunder Rosa a little less harder. Right. No, it's like, no, you're going to feel how we all feel. You yeah. know, it's, it's it's just training. Why do you think that is? I mean, is is there like, and this is this is how you were trained. So this is like even before you officially debut and step foot in a ring, there are people who are treating you as though you're an equal performer. Yes. Why is that? Because I have to learn how to work with everybody, you know, because you, sometimes you're going to be working with women that, hit just as hard as, as a guy and sometimes you won't you know so they want you to be ready for anything otherwise it's gonna like you don't know what you're getting yourself into when you get in the ring yeah and 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 i'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit about this later but i mean that that brings up even the different styles like for instance you spent time in japan yes um wrestling and training there and their style is a lot more heavy-handed yeah very heavy-handed yes yeah. they're in mexico too the ladies in mexico are very very hard hitting like sure. i have some of the stories actually from the guys from triple a they they're like you had to remember this girl she hit me so hard <laughs> and i was like come on you need to stop and she just wouldn't stop because she's i think that's a way how we demand respect yeah. you know like be like hey well, i can hit you as hard as you can hit me so yeah 
man that's i mean in in a lot of ways that's really that's really cool and and kind of really i don't know in in some ways comforting to know that there is that there is even that equality on that training level you know that that from the moment that you decide that you want to get into this business you're treated as like you have to be able to do the same thing that everybody else does there's no like inequality in this um from that and that's that's really cool um, I want to ask you, how is today's product, like whether you what what it is that you see in Vendetta Pro and in and 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 down at the gold mine in Pacifica tomorrow, Golden Envy, um, how is that stuff different from gorgeous ladies of wrestling and women of wrestling in the eighties? Like I said before, I was about big. Hit. What's the difference? I think they're expecting us to be more athletic, to be. Um ready to put a good match uh they don't uh i the criticism that i always get is when like somebody's doing a lot of showboating and not, not actually doing anything in the, right. in the ring they're kind of like well yeah she's a great performer but she's not doing anything you know um i think it's it, it just has come with like all this evolution of the introduction of uh lucha the the japanese style and everything like we're expected to do a lot more yeah the, and so yeah, and the the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. I was. Did you ever watch that stuff? Is that from like the eighties? Yeah, it's from the eighties. I've like, seen some clips, but I'm I wasn't. You very, weren't impressed by it. No. Why not? Um, I've always been like a tomboy in a way, but when you see me in the ring, I look very feminine too. I mean, I like that part of I like that part of being a performer, yeah. but I don't like just to be like, oh, I'm so pretty. I don't touch <laughs> me. Like no, like. <laughs> You know, I'm, I can get down yeah. to the punches too. Get down and dirty with them. Um, I, I want to talk to you about the perception of women, uh, especially in the WWE. It was, and 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 certainly on the indie circuit as well. There was this idea at one point of women being kind of a sex symbol. They just, like I said, they they would just come to the ring with the guys, and they would just stand there, and they would, you know, just. I mean, do nothing. Um, but they've changed to to be about equal performers. Like, I mean, do you think that? I mean, how do you think that that happened? Like, I mean, is it is it just that same kind of thing that you're saying of of they? I mean, what was that change? Um, like I said, I think it comes with uh, with us in the indies and having performers in in this big company like Sarah Del Rey, right. Sarah Sarah Stock now, who's the trainer, who are like legitimate female wrestlers. Yeah, the females that were wrestling with men. A lot of the times. And I want to say Sarah Del Rey, who had her start here in the Bay Area yes. at All Pro Wrestling, and she is now the trainer, uh, the head trainer for uh, the female performers at WWE. Yeah, and I think down f- in Florida. for WWE, he comes also with uh, tri- Triple H being in charge of NXT, which sure. is like, you know, the lower company before the, the main roster. Yeah. Uh, he, he he was in, 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 in the 90s when they were doing the uh, DX and they had yeah. China and they used China. As a right. as a wrestler, yes, she was gonna have naked, but you know, later on she started wrestling and she did wrestle men. And I want to talk about that this half naked thing. Like, I mean, do you think that there are still advances that should be made? I mean, that the way that women are portrayed, like, I mean, the costumes, like, oh, she was half naked, and like, I mean, a lot of time when you go to the shows, they'll, they'll talk about the performers, all of them, and they'll say the boys, and it's, instead of like, I mean, but they're male and female performers. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, especially with the costumes, do you think that there are some other social advances that could still be made in wrestling? In terms, especially of- towards women. Uh, well, we I think uh, in the in this is different. You personally choose what you want to wear and what you how you want to look. In a bigger company, they pretty much tell you your character and what that's gonna be, and you have to go with it. Right. You know, and you have to like play a certain um, image for them because right. that's that's what they want for you. Um, I think they has changed a lot. Like they're more modest 
than yeah. they used to be in the 90s yeah. and in the early 2000s. They're not doing, uh, what is it, bras and panties. Right, yeah, no, no matches. bras and panty matches. Yeah. <laughs> they were the most interesting things in the world. <laughs> um, and um, we don't have a lot of Playboy right. girls being in, in, in the shows. Now we have, like, you know, a lot of legitimate indie wrestlers that came from here yeah. did a tryout and now they're there yeah we still have like girls doing bikini shots I mean that's this is part of entertainment yeah. business and yeah. that's what sells and and I love what Brian your husband pointed out when we talked about this earlier he was saying that like I mean you look at the male performers they're basically in their underwear too yeah. like I mean it's not like it's not like it's just the, the ladies who are half naked it's like everybody's half naked and whether you like it or not that's just kind of what and you is. know what's interesting because a lot of the guys that are not into wrestling they say that it's actually like very gay when guys are just in their underwear. Oh, like, how can two guys been doing this? It's like, it's such a, it's, it's ridiculous how we, they say that women are, you know, portray as kind of like hoish, you know? Sure. And then men are just like, that is kind of gay. Why Why are you mean wrestling a guy and you're half naked? Yeah. They, you know, it's it's just... It's a, yeah, it's a very strange way of looking at things. Like, it, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Um, I want to give people where can they find you? Whether it's on on the online or uh, where can where can people find you? Uh, they can find me in Thunder Rosa twenty two on Twitter and Instagram, yeah. on Facebook at Thunder Rosa two. Oh, that's my like page, and also you can find me on on com. That's my website. Yes. UnstoppableTR.com. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. I really want to thank you for coming out tonight, Thunder Rosa. Thank you. And don't forget to support women's wrestling. It's just like, you know, UFC and everything else. Like we train just as hard and we put our mind, our soul and our heart in that ring. Awesome. Um, for folks who have heard shows that I produce, they know that I dig songs that tell a story. So we'll take a break and listen to some music and we'll be right back. Born down in El Paso, where the tumbleweeds blow, to the middleweight champ of all Mexico. Dad fought many bloody battles, and he raised four sons. Chavo was the oldest one. Old man Gory could pop like a live grenade. Raised his boys in the way of the trade. Hector and Mondo, young Eddie G. Chavo meant the most to me. Look high. Quickly to the top of the game, defender of the downtrodden, king of the hill, tag team champion with Alma Drill. Before a black and white TV in the middle of the night, I'm lying on the floor, I'm bathed in blue light. The telecasts in Spanish, I can understand some, and I need justice in my life. Here it comes, look Down, but Chavo never once did. 
You called it names to try to get beneath my skin. Now your ashes are scattered on the wind. I heard his son got famous and he went nationwide. Coast to coast with his dad by his side. I don't know if that's true, but I've been told. It's real sweet to grow old. You look high. It's my last hope. Welcome back to Full Circle on 94.1 FM KPFA and online at kpfa.org. You just heard The Legend of Chavo Guerrero, a song by the Mountain Goats from their album Beat the Champ. It's an interesting indie rock and folk rock album that not only visits the life of wrestling legend Chavo Guerrero, but the death of the late great Bruiser Brody down in Puerto Rico. It mixes a lot of pro wrestling themes with indie folk music. It's not something you get to see very often, so I want to thank Vika Aronson for sharing that album with me so I could share it with all of you. Shifting gears, I've had the opportunity to examine why folks are drawn into certain genres of film and television. I've examined soap operas and zombie films so far, so I figured if we're visiting this world of professional wrestling, I ought to examine what makes it so compelling. So what about the story draws people in? Up next is the latest installment of Storytime with JC. If you smell what the rock is cooking. During the 90s, there were two big companies in the professional wrestling world. Ted Turner's WCW and Vince McMahon's WWE. Back then, the WWF. I was a WWF guy. I say that loosely because I didn't understand almost any of what was going on, but I watched it occasionally. Plus, my friends liked it, so I said I liked it so I could be cool. One thing was for sure, though. In little JC's mind, it was all real. The outcomes of the events, the animosity between the competitors, all of it, to me, was legit. Wrestling's not fake! Until one day, I saw a poster bearing the images of The Undertaker, Mankind, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and The Rock. They were all standing together, and I made a remark to my older brother Joshua that it was really cool that they got them to take a picture together because they actually hated each other. He looked at me, and as a big brother, he saw the opportunity to take Santa Claus away from me all over again. JC, you do know that stuff's fake, right? No, I replied. They actually hate each other. I've seen it in action. The more he insisted it wasn't real, the more I stood firm that it was. Until one day, Vince McMahon's daughter Stephanie was kidnapped on national TV by one of Vince's employees, and the police were never called. That was the last day I watched wrestling. But remember, I told you there were two big companies, and they were in earnest at war. Two corporate entities trying to control one market the WWF and the WCW. I happened one day to be flipping channels and I landed on the WWF and saw a WCW shirt on camera. 
so I wanted to know what was going on. Apparently, Vince McMahon's real-life children, Stephanie and Shane, had bought the WCW, the rival company, and they were invading the WWF. Predetermined or not, to me, that was a good story. The billionaire fighting against his own children. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Behind the scenes, Vince McMahon purchased the WCW from Ted Turner in an essential merger, and he brought many of their top talent in for a major storyline. The WWF became the top wrestling company in the United States, and shortly after became the WWE. The WWE has grown into a brand that attracts fans the world over. They hold tours in countries in the Middle East, Europe, Africa, Asia, Australia. In 2015, the company made $659 million and had a net worth of $1.5 billion. But big as they are, they aren't the only show in town. According to multimedia company Black Pants Incorporated, there are over 300 independent wrestling promotions in the United States. And they have one of the most dedicated fan bases. People who will wait in line to occupy a 100-degree space shoulder-to-shoulder with other human beings in order to see their favorite characters. I watch everything. So I'm watching the East Coast, uh, down south. I'm watching everything. And some of these- That's Chris McCrickard. Shake your hand, sir. Yes, thank you. You said my name correctly. (laughs) Yeah, you you get a lot of... uh, Oh, I get a lot of McCricklins and McCrick... He would describe himself as a diehard fan of the genre. Not one particular company. Uh, All Pro Wrestling is in uh, Daly City. Pro Championship Wrestling. They run in Orville, Chico, Reading. Um, Hood Slam, of course, in Oakland. You know, and also Stoner U in Oakland. Uh, East Bay Pro Wrestling. SPW, Sacramento, BTW in Newark. Fighting Spirit Pro. I drove to Merced for that one. Uh, There's Pro Wrestling Bushido. They run out of Modesto. You know, I'll actually go out of state from time to time, go to Reno. Uh, They have the wrestle. I'm I'm a 31 Flavors kind of guy. I've always told people that there's multiple types of wrestling, and uh, I'm just one of those fans that likes it all. Wrestling. They run out in Pacifica. Gone to SoCal a couple times. Went and seen Lucha Underground. I went down there for UEW. I went to like 12 shows in in a month's span. That's more than some of the guys that are getting paid to wrestle, you know? (laughs) You're unbelievable. When I was in high school, I had to hide in the kitchen to watch wrestling on a three and a half inch black and white screen because my mom didn't allow it. I'll talk more about that later. But for Chris, it was a family pastime. My grandmother, she loved wrestling, started with Gorgeous George. Like, she loved Gorgeous George, dude. And who wouldn't? You know, yeah. like, back in the day, that was like The Rock, and that was that was the guy. So, about four years old, I remember watching my first wrestling show Saturday morning, and my grandmother just, she was loving it. She was popping. She was popping. And I was like, wow, dude, like, this is really cool. I bought into it. Uh, it was NWA at the time, and then I seen a WWF pay-per-view. My dad introduced me to, uh, you know, what what my dad always referred to as, like, the NFL of wrestling. At the age of 12, my father, unfortunately, and to this day still affects me, uh, committed suicide. So I've always told people that, especially the WWF, I've always felt like they grew up with me because when I was young, it was very colorful characters. Everybody had face paint and the bad guy was this big, huge monster versus doink or something. And then, you know... um, my attitude changed, the, the loss of my father changed, and then all of a sudden wrestling turned into the attitude era. And that's why I feel like it grew up with me, because at that point, that's what I wanted in wrestling. I had I, grown tired, so that when the attitude era hit, it kept me watching. And, and that's something that was, that was my story. 
The attitude, the over-the-top characters, they draw fans in. Remember why we turned to art in the first place, to music and movies and television. It's for escapism. We do it to break the monotony in our everyday lives, not to continue it. If the show was just about two men or women who are exactly like men or women you know having a disagreement, it'd be a TV drama, wouldn't it? And if it were just two people in combat, it'd be boxing or mixed martial arts, but it's neither. It's spectacle. You know, when I was younger, I got into wrestling, uh, not so much for the athleticism, not so much for that kind of thing, but just for the pure excitement and the value of the show that was presented to me. Even indie shows, you can see that the, the, the ultimate goal is to make sure that this is just bigger it's larger than life. It's larger than I'll, I'll give a shout out to all pro wrestling. When you walk into their venue, it, it's a little dark in the crowd. It's very bright in the ring. They have lights and they have uh, smoke machines and, and, and then the loud music when the wrestlers enter the ring. It, it gets the kids hyped up. It gets me hyped up. It's, uh, um, it's solid, man. It's, it's fun. It's an event. It's an event. It's larger than life. But it's also telling a story. It's going somewhere. Any pro wrestling worker, promoter, booker, anybody, the goal is to entice the crowd to suspend disbelief and enjoy what's happening in front of them. You know, like that's what we really want. We want, I say we, but you know, the wrestling world, what they want is for you to go in there, embrace the baby face, just like the heel, and buy into it. If for 10 minutes you bought into it, they did their job, you know, because it's about entertainment, man. It's about not being worried about all that other stuff. And, and that's why I say if you buy into it, you'll have a good time. If you sit there and ridicule it and critique it and look at it in that light, you're not going to have a good time. You know, it's a great example I use when I try to tell people, you know, about wrestling is when you see John Cena do an attitude adjustment and that guy kicks out, there's a difference in the crowd. You can see it because what you did is you just stopped what they thought was going to be the end of something. You, you, when they kick out a false finish, that crowd is going to be 10 times more into it than they were for the first eight minutes, you know, because they're like, whoa, it didn't end the way I thought it would. How is this going to end? How is this going to end? And then they, you see them get on their feet or they're sitting on the edge of their seat. And that is the moment where, where people become wrestling fans, you know, like as a Raider fan, I, when they kick a field goal and they make the game winning field goal or whatever, dude, I'm out of my seat. I'm freaking out. Well, pro wrestling does that for you 10 times a night because they're having 10 matches with 10 bad guys for you to hate, 10 good guys for you to cheer, and it's it's a psychological thing, man. They're giving you the opportunity to embrace that feeling. I feel like the storyline itself, I think it's a part of the business that'll never die because that's what you need. You need a reason why that guy's beating up that guy, and it also gives the opportunity, a storyline, that's where you're going to establish the heel's heat for whatever crowd he's working, you know, because he's going to have the time to cheat to win, and the good guy's going to have the opportunity to overcome the odds, stand against adversity. This guy had everything. Everything was stacked against the good guy, and now he came back, and he won the title, and... And, and the yeah, good guy so, defies uh, the odds to overcome. Are, are it's a tale as old as time, and that's the catch, isn't it? Some folks can't suspend disbelief because the story is too clean, too predictable. And because of that, it's deemed fake, and even more so because the results are predetermined. It's like a fairy tale, relegated to the domain of kid stuff. You see, when people like Chris and I get together, it's like we fought in the same trenches. Sometimes when I tell people that I watch wrestling, they say, Oh, you mean that fake stuff? I stopped watching that when I was a kid. Much of the time, I want to look at them and just say, Me too. I stopped watching it too, but you know what? I came back.
I came back because I want to catch a glimpse of the impossible and the unreal. But I don't tell them that. You know, as a wrestling fan, we're not always open and honest about being a wrestling fan. Not a lot of us just go up to our, our friends or people that we're, you know, that we have constant communication with and let them know that part of our life, you know, because it's always been ridiculed and it's always been looked down upon. I want to ask you, why do you think that it's ridiculed and looked down upon? Well, it's just the fake thing, you know? Like, it's, it's always going to come back to the fake right. thing. It always will. These, these uh, are certain type of person out there that feels that since it is fake, it shouldn't be taken seriously at all because it's fake, and that's their perception of it. Whereas for, you know, a fan like myself, which I don't speak on behalf of everybody because everybody has their own perception of what wrestling is all about, uh, but my perception has always been it's an art form. In wrestling, we know who's going to win. Not the fans, but, you know, the, the company knows who's going to win that match. What they do to themselves, I don't necessarily would consider that fake. And that's where the line, there's just like this gray area in between that people don't want to acknowledge that what they're doing is real. They just want to acknowledge that what they're doing has a predetermined winner, therefore it's fake. My mom didn't allow me to watch wrestling in the 90s because it was very violent. Steel chairs to the head, barbed wire covered bats, Blood galore. And as someone who's watched wrestling through its change from the 80s to today, the rock and wrestling era with names like Cyndi Lauper and Liberace making appearances, to the gritty attitude era of the 90s, to the new era of today, and as the father to four girls, I wanted to get Chris's perspective on the changes in the product that we see on TV. Uh, the attitude era, I would never, I would never, I would never let my children watch that. Yeah. And just as a parent, I, no way, you yeah. know? You realize that there's nudity and, and cursing and, and drug use and there's a lot of stuff that went on in the attitude era. Today's product, I'm not worried about it. It's very PG. You know, WWE, I don't worry too much taking my kids to indie shows. You know, I actually... That's one of the highlights of my life is being able to take my daughter to an indie show. And uh, this gentleman, I believe he's hurt right now. He's been out for a while. But Jekylls, Jekylls the Jester, actually is his full name. And uh, he just wears the face paint. Very creepy guy. Very, very creepy guy. And really creepy music comes on. He comes walking out to the crowd and uh, with just a blank stare, you know. And he, and he finds a child in the crowd. He stares him down. Doesn't say a word, you know. So my daughter has grown this huge fear of this man. And when he comes out, she goes running away and... While, you know, she's scared and I go and hold her and stuff, it's still something for me that's like, you'll never forget this. You know, this, these are moments that are gonna be ingrained in you and, and they never take it farther than it should be. First show I ever went to, I brought my kids, and man, they, they had a blast. And that's actually my, my six-year-old daughter, Crystal. Um, she loves it, man. She loves wrestling. But she's really into indie wrestling. She calls it her wrestling. So, and that's, that's it's an awesome thing. Well, she calls it her wrestling. What does she, what does she mean? Well, that's her wrestling. You know, that's like, uh, you know, some people have their thing. Well, that's her thing. You know, it's like she really doesn't see WWE as like um, as her thing. She calls it hers because she feels like, you know, those are her wrestlers. Those are her guys. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, as a parent, why wouldn't you want that? You know, that's really cool. And before the show, during the show, and after the show, she walks around. She's shaking these guys' hands. She's getting autographs on her poster. She's really feeling special, you know? Like, I'll be honest with all you wrestlers out there. I love you guys to death, but all those autographs are just destroyed and in garbages. And they're, they've been destroyed since when we left. And uh, But they still do it, you know? And it's because it's not about the autograph itself. It's about that moment for that kid. That moment. It's all about that moment. Like when I saw the WCW shirt on WWF television. That moment you experienced the impossible. When you experienced that thing that wasn't supposed to happen. Anytime something seems real, 
oh man, you're going to see us on the edge of our seats. We're watching every single minute of it. Why, why is that? I mean, because I feel as though part of the whole thing is the fact that you know that it's a setup. Mm-hmm. And that's part of even what allows you to be draw, drawn in by it. Like, it's the same thing as, as when you watch The Terminator. You know that it's not a real robot from the future, but you watch it because it's entertaining. Yeah. And part that's part of the whole thing with wrestling, or else you'd be you'd feel like a jerk for being happy that a guy is being hit with a chair like you know you know so so part of it is the fact that you know that there's this predetermined factor about it so why is it so compelling when something happens that wasn't supposed to like it's like wait like that was real like you know what what is it about that moment that kind of gets us if we know that there's a predetermined winner and then we get to see something that's real it makes us feel like whoa, like this isn't going to happen all the time. We're not going to see this every time. This is something that's unique, original, and right now. Oh, my God, that just happened, you know? And that's a good point. It's unique. It's right now. That describes the genre perfectly. It's sports entertainment, a genre into itself. As a matter of fact, they had to make up a new genre just to classify this thing. It's modern-day theater in the round. Both Chris and myself referred to pro wrestling as art. Author and playwright Craig Mason said this, and I think it speaks volumes. Nowadays, we like to put Shakespeare up on a pedestal in the domain of the upper classes, the wealthy and educated. Shakespeare was a businessman. Same goes for Vince McMahon. Shakespeare audiences were bloodthirsty. Yes, wrestling is staged. Yes, it's fake, but so is Shakespeare. They're both theater. If Shakespeare lived today, he'd be writing for the WWE. If Shakespeare lived today, he'd be writing for the WWE. For Full Circle, I'm JC, and that's my story. This is 94.1 FM KPFA, and you're listening to Full Circle, where we're wrestling with the change of wrestling. You just heard a piece called Storytime with JC examining the popularity of the genre as a whole and how people are drawn in. Joining me in the studio now physically and virtually are a couple of guys from two of the most popular wrestling promotions in all of Northern California. First, on the phone tonight, we've got Marcus Mack, who's traveled the world as a ring announcer for professional wrestling events featuring Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and plenty more. He is now the promoter and booker the guy who makes the matches, for all pro wrestling, APW, the longest-running independent promotion in all of California, founded in Hayward, California, and now running out of San Francisco and Daly City. Marcus Mack, welcome. Hey, JC. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And sitting here in the studio with me is A.J. Kirsch. He is the host and announcer of Hood Slam, whose tagline is, Don't Bring Your Effing Kids. And for those of you on social media, he's actually doing a Facebook Live right now. So if you hop on on your Facebook, he's there live right now. Thanks, man. Um, folks at Hood Slam know him as Broseph Joe Brody, and fans of WWE Tough Enough on the USA Network may know him as Tumbleweed. Kirsch has appeared on Dating Naked on VH1 and Larry King Now on Aura TV. And both are with me here tonight. So AJ, welcome, and Marcus Mack, welcome. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank What's you. up, Mack? Hey, Jay. What's up, buddy? How are you? <laughs> I'm What's great, up, man. bro? How you doing, brother? <laughs> bro. <laughs> Sir. Let, let, a, let a bro go around here. I love it. Um, I want to get a feel for the difference between APW and Hood Slam. So, um, Mac, we'll start with you. Can you briefly describe what an APW show would look like? 
Uh, well, for me, you know, I've uh, I've been around professional wrestling my whole life, you know, and uh, what I try to do, you know, with all pro wrestling is, you know, try to bring a real professional feel to everything, man. I want people, I don't like to refer to, to APW shows. I, like, I, don't, I don't like to prefer, uh, I prefer to steer away from the word show and call it an event. I, I don't want people to walk into the local Boys and Girls Club or a uh, local gymnasium and, and feel like they're coming to the local gymnasium. I'd like them to come in and, and have that feeling that they're at an actual event. You know, for those kids who go to that Boys and Girls Club on a regular basis, I don't want them to just walk into their same uh, their same setting. I want them to. I want the lights to be dim. I want the ring to be lit up. I want there to be an entranceway. I, I believe in the. I, I believe in theater, man. You know what I'm saying. And I believe in production. And uh, that's the first thing I think you're going to notice when you walk through the doors of a of an all pro wrestling event. You know, once the bell rings and uh, and the event gets kicked off. Yeah, that's that's great. So a lot of kids running around. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I try to put on a family-friendly product. It's, uh, but yet, you know what I'm saying. That anybody can enjoy. You know what I'm saying. Right. You're going to see some hard-hitting stuff. You're going to see some high-flying. You're going to see some. Uh, we're going to walk a thin line there, but uh, nothing's going to be too over the top that uh, a four-year-old or five-year-old or a six-year-old could not go to. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Right. I, want, I want the fifty and sixty-year-old to to pop and leave with a just as excited and just as thrilled as those kids are. In a lot of the cases, man, you know, when uh, when we started running, uh, when I took over All Pro Wrestling and brought it to the, you know, to the Bay Shore, you know, there was a lot of kids, you know what I'm saying? But I noticed right away that at the end, by the time, by the end of the night, it was the, the parents were going just as wild as, as the kids were, right. if not more so. They were the ones that were rushing to the front of the, front of the guardrails and slapping them and going nuts, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, that's what it's all about, man. It's just about bringing the community together and and enjoying, you know, and, and escaping the real life of everything, all your real life drama, and going there for two and a half hours or three hours and just having a great time. Yeah, for sure. And and, and so we we talk about a, a promotion that has lots of kids, and then we're gonna go to Hood Slam, which again the tagline is "Don't bring your effing kids." Don't bring them. What is a Hood Slam show like? Hood Slam is a party more than anything else. And um, before I get to the differences, I just want to touch on the similarities real quick because Max said something that all pro wrestling, Hood Slam, and really all professional wrestling shares, and that it's theater. It's easily dismissed as yes. uh, just lowbrow, fat neck entertainment. But really, when, you, when it comes down to it, it's theater. All pro wrestling, Hood Slam, WWE, uh, New Japan, it doesn't matter. It's all theater. And yeah. uh, to Marcus's point, it's... You know, the kids, they're already in, uh, they believe in make-believe. It's easy for them to use their imagination and, uh, you know, see something and take it for face value. But when you get those parents coming out of their seats and feeling like they're six years old again, I feel like that, therein lies the art and the magic of telling a good story. And that's what professional wrestling is. It's storytelling. Yeah. So... When you take a look at Hood Slam, which, like I said, is a party before anything else because it's a 21 and over crowd. It's at a music venue. Uh, We're serving booze. Uh, People are often medicating heavily. Uh, (laughs) We have a live metal band that opens the show, plays throughout the night, plays a lot of the wrestlers' entrance music. And what separates Hood Slam from just about any other genre of pro wrestling on the planet is that it's... 
we're all in on the joke together. Yeah. We are not trying to convince the crowd that what they're seeing is genuine athletic competition, which is something that wrestling has, no pun intended, wrestled with for <laughs> for decades, since right. its inception. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, and I think a lot of people, especially in 2016, will agree with me that it doesn't hurt the art nor the business of professional wrestling to let the crowd in on the joke and be like, look, this is a performance. This is just like a movie or a TV show or a play or an opera or a ballet. You know you are coming in to see a show. Yeah. We're going to give you a show. So we take that and we run as hard as we can with it in the opposite direction yeah. of, as, as WWE or a lot of other family-friendly promotions. And we've got something here. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you mentioned ballet. And I want to bring something up. Um, we all know how promotions use stories to lead up to a match and lead up to a show. Sure. But as an active wrestler and an active performer in your own right, how is it that wrestlers tell a story in a ring with a match? I mean, the closest comparison that I have... It, that relates, you know, telling a story with movement is ballet. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I was thinking. Like, I mean, they, they tell a whole story without saying a word, and that's what wrestlers do in the ring. So could you talk about how wrestlers tell stories using movement? The story is told um, with with whomever's in the ring at the time. The ring is their stage. Uh, the area around the ring, if there is an area around the ring, uh, is also their stage. The entrance, their entrance is a huge part of the, it's It's all part of a complete package that is pro wrestling. And what they're doing is, uh, you know, like ballet, it's it really is closer to a dance than anything else because you're and the old saying goes, you're only as good as your dance partner. Right. And you're in there with somebody where your job is to maintain the illusion of a fight while protecting each other as best you can. And it's it's really the same with ballet. Like your job in there is to make the person that you're in there with look better than they are. And if you're both on that same page, then you can both leave a match, regardless of who wins or who loses, looking ten times better than when you walked in. Right. Yeah. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more of Full Circle. Stay with us. <laughs>
are listening to Full Circle on 94.1 FM KPFA, and I'm sitting here with AJ Kirsch of Hood Slam. And thanks to the magic of technology, Marcus Mack of All Pro Wrestling is joining us by phone. You just heard a song by The Heavy called What Makes a Good Man. And I want to ask the same question to these gentlemen right now. Um, starting with AJ, this week is the 20th anniversary of Stone Cold Steve Austin's Austin 316 speech. In today's world of the anti-hero, M- Maleficent is the protagonist of the Maleficent movie somehow instead of Sleeping Beauty. And like the lines between what's good and what's bad are more and more blurred. So what is it that makes a good guy good and a bad guy bad? That's an excellent question because uh, it used to be so clear cut, uh, in especially in pro wrestling. It was very clear who the hero was. It was very clear who the villain was. And nowadays, it's really more who the people gravitate toward. Um, and like you said, uh, in 1996, when Stone Cold Steve Austin won the King of the Ring, uh, he had no idea what he was going to say. At his, he just got back from the hospital. He beat Jake the Snake, who uh, had quoted uh, John three sixteen, right. and so he just came up with uh, Austin three sixteen says, "I just whipped your beep." Exactly. Sure. And uh, he closed out that promo uh, with, "That's the bottom line," because Stone Cold said so. And he was, they, I mean, pro wrestling was never the same after that. Yeah. And they kind of started the seismic shift in how fans. And how a fan favorite was viewed because he was swearing, he was flipping people off, he was drinking beer, he was beating people up mercilessly, and yet there was something about him uh, that the people just erupted for. And I think that's not so much a reflection of Austin's character, I think that's a reflection of the people. Right. Mac, uh, you book wrestling all the time. What makes a good guy good and what makes a bad guy bad? How do you cover this differently than what AJ just put out? Uh, you know, the good guy's going to stand up. In my opinion, though, the good guy's going to stand up for what's right. And the bad guy's going to be that conniving uh, snake in the grass that's going to do whatever he wants to, or do whatever he needs to do to, to get ahead. You know what I'm saying? Right. No different than, than uh, any film or anything. You know, you, you look at that, that Steve Austin, and he was... Uh, he was uh, he was really booked as a heel there, you know what I'm saying, when he went over in that thing and the people gravitated towards it at that time. But uh you know, I he when he went once the once the machine started rolling, once the locomotion uh locomotive started going, you know, he had the ultimate antagonist behind him in Vince McMahon. You know, and I think that that was a huge part of what made Steve Austin so uh, successful as babyface. But to answer your question, point blank, good guy's going to stand up for what's right, and the bad guy's going to do what needs to be done to, to get ahead. Right. No different than no different than what goes on in everyday life, whether it be at work or you know in sports or film or anything. Man, it's just a very simple line. Yeah. Um. I'm going to come back to AJ. Just, I think it was yesterday, you sent out a tweet. You can follow AJ at, at AJ Kirsch on Correct. Twitter. Um, and you sent out a tweet about about Paul Heyman. 
and like Paul Heyman is is a guy who his his character is more of a a manager and he's over the top he's very loquacious he's eloquent but he's kind of a snake in the gra- grass kind of bad guy that everyone loves even still but either way the thing that is special about him is that he can talk yeah, the man can talk. Um, and the thing is, in wrestling, you can be the best technical wrestler, the best, the most athletic wrestler in the world. Um, but if you can't talk on the mic, you you won't make it. Why is that? It's a huge part of what makes pro wrestling pro wrestling. It's not enough anymore to be an NCAA champion or to be an Olympic uh, caliber wrestler or to be the most gifted technical wrestler in the world. You've got to be three-dimensional. You've got to be a complete character. It's not enough anymore that two people just go out there with the idea of somebody winning and somebody losing. It's rare, in fact, to find a feud that started out just because one guy wanted to win and another guy wanted to win. Yeah. Um, the story that two wrestlers get enveloped in can go so much deeper and can develop into something mm-hmm. so much greater when they're given the opportunity to use words to develop that story and the most successful pro wrestlers in the of all time some of them were not great wrestlers uh we were talking before we went on the air and i said something that you said mac just said like just yesterday and that's hulk hogan did not wrestle ninety three thousand people into the pontiac silverdome to watch him face andre the giant he talked them into that building yeah um the Rock is a great modern example. Like he was not necessarily the greatest technical wrestler in the world, and for the love of God, if somebody could teach him how to do a sharpshooter correctly, that would be <laughs> awesome. But he was such a good speaker that everything he said, it almost got to the point he didn't even need to say anything. He could say the first five words of whatever he was about to say, and the whole crowd would just finish it for him. Yeah, he did not wrestle people into uh, baseball-sized stadiums to watch him perform yeah he talked them into that building yeah and i just think that that's amazing that like i mean that that talking is still like i mean we're here on the radio and the power of of the microphone the the stick they call it you know the the hot microphone is even in wrestling one of the biggest weapons there's there's everybody has their their foreign objects and everything like that but the mic is like one of the one of the best weapons you've got um Yesterday when I was talking to Mac, uh, he was saying that that uh, that we're not too far off. We're talking about wrestling being more and more socially conscious. So really quickly, um, like 30 seconds or less, Mac, um, you were talking about a trans wrestler in WWE. You think that we're not very far off from seeing a trans wrestler in, in the WWE? No, I don't think so at all. I think that we're definitely going to see that happen within probably the next... Uh I don't know, 24 months, I would say. I'll I'll go ahead and say that right now. You know, you look at where the world is today, and uh, and why wouldn't you? You know what I'm saying, Bruna? And especially the WWE, whose whole conscience of DSR and standing up for equal equality and equal rights, why wouldn't there be a... Uh, a trans competitor in the in the realm of the WWE. AJ, I, I see that happening. AJ, for you're, sure. Yeah. Also, AJ, your thoughts on the same thing? Why not? I mean, the WWE is, uh, you know, to your point, is becoming a far more socially conscious uh, entity, and um, they've already got an openly gay wrestler right. uh, in Darren, Darren Young. Young yeah, sure. and uh, like like Max said, I don't think I could have put it any better myself. I think it's only a matter of time. Um, you know, as 
wrestling is a reflection of what's going on in the world. It's yeah. a reflect, just like again, it's it's. It's easy to dismiss pro wrestling as different from just about any other storytelling medium out there, but it's not. It's far more similar than people give it credit for. Yeah. And just like we're seeing, uh, you know, progress on TV and in, in movies and theater, I think it's just a matter of time before that comes over to pro wrestling. Yeah. And we're we're but, pretty much. But I don't want I don't want oh. to get everybody's hopes. Like you know what I'm saying. Everybody's hopes going on this. It has to be the right performer. You know right. what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. I don't want everybody. Everybody. Uh, uh, every trans person in the world to line up and think that they're going to be that one person because you still have to be a very gifted, you know, special athlete. Right. You know what I'm saying? Slash performer to be able to get that spot. The spot's there for somebody to take. I yeah. hope somebody gets we're, it. We're, somebody can do it. We're, we're running out of time, but I want to give folks um, a, a chance to hear about what you've got go, going on. Uh, Marcus Mack, tell us a, just a little bit, 10 seconds or less, talk about Malice in the Palace Bay Area Bash. 10 seconds. Malice in the Palace, July 9th, first wrestling show ever at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco. See Lince Dorado, who's uh, in the WWE Cruiserweight Open. You'll be competing there. Chris Masters, Jody Christopherson, Timothy Thatcher. Then August the 19th, Xbox coming to town. We got all kinds of your favorite MVP. They're going to be in Daly City at the Pacelli Event Center, August 19th. Check out allprowrestling.com for all the details, ticket information. Two spectacular events coming your way. I popped for that August 19th card, by the way. Yes, yeah, I I saw that. Uh, AJ, tell them where to find you. Uh, First Friday of every month, you can catch Hood Slam at the Oakland Metro Opera House, 21 and over. Don't bring your effing kids. Uh, July 1st, it's hashtag America 2016, free to freak. And uh, with Voodoo Child playing us out, I can't think of a better way to close this out. Uh, this is real, and F the fans. Yeah, birdswillfall.com. You can catch Hood Slam over at birdswillfall.com. And add Hood Slam on all forms of social media. That's right. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. I want to thank all of tonight's guests for joining me. Thunder Rosa, Marcus Mack over on the phone, AJ Kirsch here in the studio with me. I also want to thank my guy Chris McCrickard for coming all the way down from Woodland to sit with me and chat. It up. Shout out to Joey Ryan, Jekyll's the Jester, and Dylan Drake, whose entrance music I used for Storytime with JC. This contest was scheduled for one fall with the 60-minute time limit. The officials for this match were Commissioner and Executive Producer Miss M and Flying Freewheeling Frank Sterling. Our special guest ring enforcer is Joy Moore. Our opening theme tonight was Cult of Personality by Living Color, and our closing theme is Voodoo Child by the one and only Jimi Hendrix, once used as the theme song for Hulk Hogan. I've been your host, JC. Big thanks to Vika Aronson over there on the ones and twos. Thank you for joining us tonight for Full Circle. Stay tuned. La Onda Baita is next. And for all of us at Full Circle, I am JC. And that just happened. Money, money, money.